0: Welcome, everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a lean-in factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Yeah, how awesome was worship. Come on. Is there any faith in the house? Let's give a roar for Jesus. Come on. <laughs> Can you please stand for reading of the word? Super excited for those online. Super excited for you guys as well. It's in 1 Timothy 4:8. If you have your Bibles handy, New Testament should be on the screen. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for this present life and for the life to come. Let us pray. Father God, we commit this time to you. Holy Spirit, would you move in this place? Use your servant on stage. Let it be all the love that flows Through me from you, Father God, these are your people. Bless them exceedingly and abundantly. My lives be transformed in the name of Jesus Christ. May salvation happen today as we speak your word. In Jesus' mighty name and the church of said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So how many uh, Buccaneers fans do we have? All right, that's a a resounding no. How many Chiefs fans do we have? Okay. How many Giant fans do we have? How many Cowboy fans? Yay! Okay. This is why I did not wear my jersey. Steelers. Steelers. How many Steelers fans? There you go. And we have a Jets fan there. Hey, Jody, how are you? (laughs) They will win the Super Bowl in this century. That's prophecy over your life. Uh, But the title for my message today is Running the Race. It's called Running the Race. And today is Super Bowl Sunday. And for the sports fan, running the race for them is getting to the TV, right? It's eating chicken wings, right? But for these two football teams, running the race is competing for one of the largest championships in the world, the NFL Super Bowl champion. Each of these teams, each of these players have run the race by dedicating their time and effort for this one moment to become the best of the best, right? The seasons have brought many challenges because of COVID. To name a few, isolation, uh, testing, and unplanned NFL changes because of the pandemic. Each one of these individuals have put in thousands of physical training. Thousands of physical hours of mental preparation, thousands of hours of endurance. And I say thousands of hours because we just see the finished product. You know, John Maxwell has a great quote. He had a a young person come up to me. He's like, I'd like to be where you are. And he's like, don't look at where I am. Look at what I've done. Right, so a lot of these players started at Pee Wee, right, this Chiquito for in Spanish, right, grammar school, high school, college, and all of this is for this one moment to win the NFL championship. That's the race that was set before them. But not only will football be on the largest stage in the world, the Super Bowl, but something of greater importance, and that is faith and faith in Jesus Christ right? It's super powerful. And a lot of these players have faith. They don't just run the race physically. They've run the race as a Christian. And I want to highlight some of the examples on both of these teams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which nobody loves, place kicker Ryan Suckup, hope I pronounced this correctly, said he developed, check this out, a deeper relationship with Jesus during college. As he recalls, the more time I spent in God's word, the more I prayed the more at peace I had in high-pressure situations. Kickers, they have a tough job. Knowing that there has to be a creator for that, I don't know if he meant kicking the field goal or not, has strengthened my faith a lot. He says, I want to keep trusting God and keep seeking Him. Another player from the Buccaneers, Devon White, he is a stud. If you see him, he's number 45. Even if you don't like the Buccaneers, keep an eye on him. Second-year linebacker out of LSU, credits God for orchestrating his career and often speaks about trusting God's perfect timing. He states, God makes no mistakes, All right? Says White, who has tweeted out Jeremiah 29:11. On the other side of the football field is the Kansas City Chiefs teammate Um, And cornerback Antonio Hamilton, who celebrated the NFC's, I mean, AFC's championship win over the Buffalo Bills. He tweeted this. This is pretty powerful. And I'm going to try to exemplify what he said. This has got to be the most amazing birthday gift ever. Got to be God. I'm going to the Super Bowl. Hashtag humbled and blessed. 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 My mouth is getting dry already. Hashtag discipline and sacrifice. The next day, Hamilton tweeted out the words of Isaiah fifty-five six eight. Should be on the screen. Pretty powerful. He says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Like the wicked change their way and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he forgives generously. Our God is a generous God, Amen. And in fact, there is a verse attached to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Fifty Five. It's Psalm sixteen eight should be on the screen. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Much needed verse for what twenty twenty has brought us. Right. So I was I. You know, thinking and praying about what does that mean as us as Christians and if you're not Christians what does that mean for you to run the race right what is the race that God has put before you right for example you coming in through a snowstorm is not a mistake he has brought you here for a reason to put you on his race to put you on his path so he can be glorified in heaven and put you on a path of protection prosperity and purpose can I get an amen Amen. right so what is, you know I was studying these teams they have trained and run the race to reach what they call a pinnacle in their individual lives. We, our race as Christians is a mandate from heaven, which is to reach as many people and teach them and empower them for the love and the glory of Jesus Christ, right? And one of the more, or one of the more, one of the most powerful people who ran the race well that was set before him was the Apostle Paul. And I'm gonna quote Philippians 3, 13, 14. He kept his eyes fixed on the prize of the race that was set before him. So it's on the screen. If you got your Bibles, chapter 3, 13, and 14. I am focusing all my energies on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He was one of the most powerful apostles in the New Testament. He read, read, uh, read, read, wow, my, my mouth is really super dry. This is wrote and read at the same time. He wrote a third of the New Testament. So super powerful. But I also wanted to exemplify some of the Old Testament prophets and people that ran the race that was set before them. That kept their eyes on the prize. And that came through trust and faith in God. To name a few, Abraham a friend of God. His race was to be the father of many nations. Daniel, a man of prayer. His race was to pray for the nation of Israel. Joseph, waiting and trusting. His race was just a race to keep faith in God while he was in prison. Ezekiel, watching dead bones come to life, which I believe is happening right now as I speak God's word. His race was to oh, prophesy. To, to- you're going to clap. You got to clap. Come on. His race was to pray and bring dead bones to life. Jacob, wrestling with God. His race, was he would become the father of Israel. His name was changed to Israel. He was the first Israelite, right? Then we have Hannah, asking in faith. She was asking for... uh, a baby to be born, a son. She did not know the race that she was setting up for a future prophet. David, a man after God's own heart, his race was to take out Goliath. He didn't even know that until he got into the battle. And then Samuel, learning to hear God's voice, his race was to anoint King David and anoint uh, King Saul, and he, is, he, he was the son of Hannah of what she raised for, the prayer that she prayed to God. And the Bible is full of servants that focus on the prize to run the race that was set before them. Their faith was not built on themselves, but faith in God the Father, and that came through prayer. So you may ask, what does that mean to run the race for myself? How do I do that, right? Well, privately, that means being in the Word, prayer, worship, corporately, be planted in church alive, Get plugged into one of our transform groups, serve in one of our dream teams, take thrive because what we do privately leaks out publicly it 's very important that what you when you come to the house of God what you do I'm not putting this is not more like a pressure or force, just know that you are part of a family, you are loved, you are cherished, you are worthy. what you bring to the house of God is important there 's no i n team right yeah. teamwork makes the dream work i 'm just saying, so know that right so The disciples were Jesus' favorite. They're a bunch of misfits. If you ever look at them, they're all over the place. He picked unperfect people to have a perfect God work through him. You know, a real faith is not a a perfect faith. It's just a faith that believes in a perfect God who works through unperfect people. That is super powerful. So if you feel you need to be perfect, you're in the wrong place. If you feel you don't need to be perfect, you're in the right place. Can I get amen? Amen. So, the disciples persevered despite unimaginable oppression and cruelty. Their lives are living testimonies. Their yielding faith bears witness to the promise of Jesus Christ, urging us to follow their examples to run the race with perseverance. Jesus knew that following in his footsteps would not be easy. He loved them and taught them how to win the good fight. And one of the main ways he taught them is the Lord's Prayer which we're going to get into in a little bit. This is how the disciples were able to keep running their race, but constant communion with God the Father and the guidance from the Holy Spirit. His presence prepared them daily. His presence kept them in the path of victory for the race that they were meant to run. And it's the same for us. So if you got your Bibles handy, turn to... Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 9 through 15. And this is what's called the Lord's Prayer. Now, this is not his prayer because Jesus was sinless. So he's not asking to be forgiven of sins. It's called the Lord's Prayer because it's the most famous prayer in the world. But this is the prayer that he teaches his disciples. And he says in verse 9, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven. No, I'm not asking you guys to pray. That was good. Our Father in heaven. How, no, it's, I, just, I, just, I just realized just a joke. I'm like, wow, they, just, they thought that I said pray like this. It's on verse 9. Whoa, here we go. Okay, here we go. Ready to start again. Reset. Right, verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give this, this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, keep going, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Super powerful, a lot to impact. But we're going to focus on the area of forgiveness, which is verses 13 to 15. But before we get started, there's one part that I want to make sure everybody understands. When he says our Father in heaven, he wants us to understand that God is a Father. You're not just a god, an absent god. He's not a loving god. Not a god that's there with a stick, waiting for you to do wrong. He wants to connect with you. In fact, one of the greatest stories of my father that I had, you know, was when he connected with me. He always connected before he corrected. So I remember being, you know, three or four years old. I'm like two feet tall. My father looks like Popeye. You know, muscular arms, five six, and he he was a chef. So he would take me everywhere. I would be, you know, uh, dressed in a little apron, like a little chef trying to cook. I didn't know what I was doing. But it didn't make a difference. He would take me to the butcher. He would take me to the fish market. Whatever my father went, I was with him. And I remember, he, before he would correct me, he would connect. So I'm like, you know, two feet tall. I'm looking at this monument of a man that I knew loved me. And he would kneel down. And he would go, who loves you the most? He's like, you, daddy. Paizinho means, you know, daddy in Portuguese. Right? Who wants the best for you? You, Daddy. And then he would correct me. (laughs) Honestly, he only corrected me a couple of times. But um, I just want you to, to receive the Father's love as not only he connects with you, but probably corrects you in the area of forgiveness. Understand that he wants the best for you. Amen? All right, so let's focus on verses 13 and 15. So he goes on... To say, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So what he's trying to say here, right, is to be vigilant and diligent in praying ahead of the temptation. Before the temptation comes, ask for God's grace, ask for God's mercy, ask for God's strength. To fight temptation on by yourself, it's impossible. If you fight the devil with your flesh, you will lose. If you fight him with the Holy Spirit, you've already won. Understand that, right? Right. And the purpose of praying ahead of time is when, because the opportunity is going to come. Temptation is not a bad, it's, it's testing you. And I'm not, not, I'm not encouraging you to go there and get tempted. Don't go look for temptation. Pastor Fernando did not say that on stage. Erase that, right? What I am saying is we live in the flesh. We are going to be sinful in the flesh until we get to heaven. Right? So we're going to face temptations. What I'm telling you is to become offensive in your prayer. Don't become defensive. The Bible says, on this rock, I will build my house and the church, and I will build my church, sorry, or my house, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. That's an offensive stance. That's an attacking stance, that we are attacking the gates of hell. That's where we're saving souls. We're bringing people to Jesus. We're getting people planted in the church of God. We're getting people to transform groups. And that's the goal. So when the opportunity comes, you're better prepared. Then it won't get you off your race. Because one of the things that gets you off the race it starts to do that is temptation. Right. And that pivots us to verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. This is Jesus' final words in this prayer, and he spends most of his time and energy in the area of forgiveness. He doubles down on it, right? He's talking about forgive us our debts, which is sin. Here, he talks about forgiveness. And let me, under, let me explain this and unpack this. There are two cultures. At the end of the day, and we live in between, there's a culture of heaven and the culture of hell. The culture of heaven is forgiveness, grace, love, and mercy. There is a culture of hell and usually there's evil spirits that are unforgiven and will live unforgiven. That is a culture of unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, and anger, hatred. When we live in a state of bitterness, which is the seed of unforgiveness, we bring that culture into our lives. It's, get, get this into your hearts, understand uh, our, the devil lives in our everyday decisions. Because that's where we least likely think he's going to be. What do I mean by that? Don't make an illegal left turn. No, you're not going to go to hell if you do that. Don't cheat on your taxes. Right? Well, they got quiet all of a sudden. (laughs) Right? Don't go look at that woman or don't go to that store where that pretty woman is so you can go shopping and vice versa. Right? If it does happen, repent. Forgive me, Lord. Let me make a U-turn and go back home. Forgive me, Lord. I pray that that cop is not waiting at the light while I make an illegal left turn. (laughs) So I don't get two points on my license That's a movie violation. Because that's the least likely place that you think the devil lives. And our everyday decisions either bring hell up or heaven down. Bringing heaven down is anointing, is blessing, is forgiveness, it's love, it's power. And we're all meant to run our race. As a body of Christ, as Christians, what does that mean? I just said it before, read the Word, be in worship, prayer, corporately, come to the house of God, transform groups, dream teams, thrive, save souls. Pastor Anthony talked about it during the praise and, and, and uh, prayer report, or the, the part of our service. That's the mandate of heaven. Heaven is big. It's endless. No, I haven't seen it yet, but, you know, maybe God will give me a a, a peek. (laughs) There are people in the Bible that have seen heaven. Daniel, Jeremiah, John. They've seen a vision. That's our mandate. 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 Wow, i got to drink more water. (laughs) The first service, my lips were stuck to my tongue. My lips were stuck to my teeth. And I said, I'm getting funnier. (laughs) But... If there's one thing that will take you out, is bitterness. That is the seed of unforgiveness. If you want to run the race well, if you want to run the race disciplined, consistent, cut that seed, cut, shovel that, that root out with forgiveness. And if you've been hurt, if you're a victim, I am sorry. The Father in heaven is sorry. He was there even if you didn't know Him. He had His arm around you, even if you don't feel Him. But I do not want to leave you stuck in unforgiveness. I want the culture of heaven to come down. I want blessings to come down in your life. I want the provision, the the, the protection from God, the Father. Don't want you to be stuck in the race that you're called to run. How do we know that forgiveness brings blessings? There's a story of Joseph in the Old Testament, and we'll end with this. Uh, he is uh, a little bit arrogant, shares a dream with his brothers that he's going to rule over them. Never a good day to do that. You got 11 brothers, you know, they're going to be pissed off at you, they're jealous to say. Even if you have that dream, go to your pastors first. Hey, Pastor Mary and Pastor Anthony, I just had a dream that I'm going to rule over my whole family. What do you think? Well, I think you shouldn't tell them. Pastor Randy, I love him. he was like, pray this, that's a God dream. It's true. And they sell him into slavery. He's left for dead. Long story short, he becomes second in command in the Egyptian empire, which was the most powerful nation in the world. And he saves souls. Throughout his whole journey, it's never spoken in the Bible that he had unforgiveness in his heart. His brothers show up to him at the end because they're looking for, there was famine in in the land. And he forgave them. He forgave them. This is a, a famous passage of scriptures, Genesis 50 verse 20, and you probably have heard this in prayers in songs, so I'm going to quickly after that, it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people you know, that's where we get what the devil meant for harm to, that's where it comes from That's why the number one temptation of the devil is to get you into bitterness. That's the main thing because Jesus talks about forgiveness before and after temptation. That's the number one trap. It's not the only trap, but it's the number one trap. And the Bible tells us that it leads the person to become defiled. And do you know the most anointed person ever was Jesus? Because he forgave the most. Joseph was anointed much because he forgave much. That's what it's all about. I do not want you to leave with a heart of bitterness, of unforgiveness. In fact, if you have that, can you stand up for a second? I want to pray for you. If you have a heart of bitterness or unforgiveness, I just want to pray that off of you for a second. You're courageous for standing up because not everybody wants to do that. So let's give a round of applause for that. And I want to say for whoever hurt you or whatever unforgiveness you had, sorry for that. But Jesus went through that so you wouldn't have to. He died for your sins. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father God, I pray against the root of unforgiveness over these people, Father God. What the devil meant for harm, you are going to turn it for good. I come against the Simon, of the enemy to take them off the race that they're meant to run, Father God. I pray that heaven come down into their lives. I pray that the heart of forgiveness to the power of the Holy Spirit just reign through them. I pray provision, protection, and love, grace, and mercy overflowing in their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You can be seated. The race of a Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. We are called to stay on course and remain faithful to them. Whatever race you're meant to run, stay connected. Forgiveness keeps you connected to the Father's heart, to the Father's love, to the Father's mercy. Did you see that? Yeah. Amen. We're gonna give an opportunity for, the, to give, for those who haven't uh, given their life to Christ. So we're gonna bow our heads and close our eyes. Nobody moving at this time. You know, I, I I want you to visualize that when I talked about my father, how he kneeled down to my level so he can connect wasn't just to correct but was to lift me up to be a better person to be a better version of myself and and to save my life from a lot of mistakes and overall bring me to the path of purpose and love and the father of heaven sent his son he left heaven he he left the glory of heaven in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. He is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the incarnate word of God. So at this moment, he would connect with you that through relationship with him, you can get to know the Father in heaven. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about that, that they may turn from dark to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may know that they have received a gift of the forgiveness of sins. It is a gift there's nothing you have to do but receive this gift today. All you got to do is pray the prayer that I'm going to pray right now. And in the count of three, if you've made that decision to come into a loving relationship through the Son to the Father, I want you to raise your hands. Can we pray this prayer together? Father God, we thank you. Am I going to speak louder? Father God, we thank you. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Today is a new day. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. If, if you made that decision, I want you to raise your hands. One, two, three. I see that hand. I see that hand. See that hand. see that hand. If you're coming back to the Father's arms so powerful. Can we put our hands together for those people that raise their hands?